fun together, together like this, as su- Americans such through Such a life. great album. Such a great, great <laughs> album. Such a great record. We're going to talk about that more before long. Um, okay, but, but uh, we're not going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about May 16, 2008. Again, the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts. Uh, our second Tony's Choice episode, uh, chosen by listener Quinn, who I'm going to share a delightful little intro from right now. As long as I can remember, I've associated Dylan with my dad. When my dad drove me around as a kid, Dylan's greatest hits album was often in the rotation. My dad would particularly highlight the poetry of A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, Mr. Tambourine Man, Like a Rolling Stone, and Shelter from the Storm. This served as the primer for my eventual Dylan psychosis that I slipped into in my early 20s. When Modern Times came out, I was flabbergasted to realize that this rock legend from the 60s and 70s was still making new music, and it was wonderful. My dad was quite busy raising a family and working as a doctor, so he had lost track of Dylan's music through the 80s and 90s. But once he heard Modern Times, that quickly became one of his favorite Dylan albums. I started delving into as much of Dylan's music as I could consume and would share all sorts of bootleg treasures I would find with my dad. We took our next step in our Dylan fandom when we saw him in concert for the first time in October 2007. We ended up seeing him ten more times together after that, with the most recent concert being in November 2021. That sadly ended up being the last concert we would see together as my dad died suddenly on August 19th, 2022. He was only 72 years old. For Father's Day in 2022, I had made a photo collage of all the Dylan concerts we had been to mixed with the set lists of each concert. We agreed when I gave him the collage that our favorite concert was at the Palladium in Worcester, Massachusetts on May 16, 2008. It had a nice blend of modern day and classic Bob songs, including Like a Rolling Stone, which was our first time hearing it live. And the crowd that night felt particularly electric. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, so thank you so much for covering this concert Revisiting it will bring back some of the fondest memories I shared with my dad. Oh man, that was like the, the you know that that you know, like you guys are probably too young for this, but like the Casey Kasem American Top Forty, they do like the long distance dedication yeah. segment, and it'd just be you know you'd be crying at the end because it was so touching. Like that was that. That's that, man. And now I feel like there's no possible way we can say anything bad about this show. <laughs> well, there isn't I, really anything bad about it either. Like well, we'll see. <laughs> Maybe. I, yeah, there's some. Yeah, there's some definite criticisms of this show. I think that you can make. With all due respect to Quinn, that was such a lovely uh, message. Thank you so much for bringing that in. I mean, I do not think this is an unimpeachable show, but. I love that he picked it. Exactly. Yeah. I and that's that's my you know kind of uh, uh, mindset going into it as well. Is like you know this isn't necessarily like 
the most amazing set list that we've ever looked at. It's not necessarily the most amazing tape that we've ever heard. You know, the crowd is kind of loud and present. Bob's a little kind of boomy and distant at certain points. And, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the band, this, it should be noted that like this era of the never ending tour is, is pretty widely thought of in the, you know, crazy head community as, you know, one of the lower ebbs of, <laughs> of what this band was capable of. Um, a lot of that having to do with Bob's voice and vocal delivery, <laughs> which uh, that might have some Oh Mercy segments, uh, uh, to talk about there. Um, but all of that aside, right? This was the show that Quinn was at with his dad for the first time when they heard Ro- Rolling Stone together at the very end of it. And like all of that other shit aside, like that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's, it's, yeah, well, it's, he got to experience it with his, his father. This is not really, uh, we never will get to have had that experience with this particular show. Mm-hmm. So our judgments are about listening to a tinny recording of it. It's not a reflection of those. Uh, memories, yeah. really. Well, and that's why it's a great thing just to add. I think it's a great perspective to add to, to a conversation like this because it is, you know, what we talk about on this show is just us three years and years after the fact listening to tinny recordings of shows that we weren't at that actually were attended by tens of thousands of people, people like Quinn and his dad who, like, you know, came together and, and had this one particular moment, you know, this this, this night in time become like a foundational kind of like uh, uh, essential memory and part of their lives together. You know, they, they have gone together through life, you could say. And, uh, and that is a really beautiful and um, human, I think, kind of essential element of what live music is all about. So I really appreciate you bringing that perspective to the show, Quinn. Thank you again for such a touching intro. Yeah, it, it was interesting revisiting this era because I actually did see shows during this time and you just talked about this a little bit ian about how this wasn't a this isn't like a very well regarded era yeah. of the never <laughs> tour it's interesting because dylan himself you know there's a rolling stone interview that he did in 2006 where he talked about how he felt like the band that he had at that time was like his favorite band that he felt like this was the most versatile band and again this is like the post larry campbell and charlie sexton uh era of the band i mean charlie of course came back later but this is like denny freeman is holding down the guitar and of course we've talked about donny heron i mean we could talk about i feel like we're going to talk about denny freeman like later on yeah uh because i think he really makes his mark in this show um but i know just in my personal experience of like late aughts bob dylan this was like around the time where i became like a little disenchanted with seeing bob dylan live like, I had seen him a bunch. So you yourself went through this. I did. I mean, I saw him in the late 90s. I mean, I've talked about this. Saw him, like, a fair amount in the late 90s, early 2000s, into the mid-2000s. And um, I saw him in 08 at the Riverside Theater in Milwaukee, which was, like, a like a pretty good show. And then I saw him in 09 at the Marcus Amphitheater at Summerfest in Milwaukee, which is probably, like, the least favorite time I've ever seen mm. Bob Dylan. And we'll get into this as we talk about the show. It's about his voice. Mm. <laughs> uh, his voice, I think, is pretty rough in this era. It's rough and rowdy, perhaps. Um, and it speaks to what we've talked about before. I think that the standards era with Dylan, it, that played a big factor, I think, in revitalizing his vocals and him taking a different turn and how 
if you listen to shows in recent years, they sound, I think, a lot better vocally than what we're getting in the show. And it's not just the recording. I think it is the vocal. It's the vocal, too. Uh, and <laughs> Arguably, uh, the recording not being the most hi-fi uh, uh, element that we've ever heard, that actually makes it better because you don't hear his vocal as clearly as you might otherwise. And, like, you know, we're all Dylan fans, and they're, you know, I, I'm enough of a Dylan fan where I can listen to his vocal in this period and, and, and pick out things I like about it. Because it's Dylan, and I'm always fascinated by wherever he's at in a particular moment in time. But um, I don't know. There are moments, there are particular songs where I think the roughness of his voice does not work, and other times where I think it does work. And I'll be interested to hear what you guys have to say about that, if we agree or not. Um, But yeah, it's a very interesting period. I'm glad we picked this show, not only because of the personal connection, but because it's fun to explore these eras that are maybe a little unsung or not as as praised as others. We can't just go to like the A plus eras, you know. Like we have to go to the some of the uh, you know sort of less again like more unsung periods. Yeah, we can't go to like A plus eras like the last show that we did, nineteen eighty seven. Just prime choice. Like well, as- yeah. I mean, <laughs> and I and I think there's a similar thing with this show where I feel like the band is propping Bob up at times. Yeah, definitely. Because vocally, he's not quite as like where you want him to be. Because um, I feel like the band is really good here. Bob is not always at his best, but I don't know. I mean, I was reading... I don't know if you guys ever go on Bob Links. You know, you oh, go yeah. on Bob Links of course. and read user reviews... Uh, not user reviews, like just fan reviews of every show. And I, I loved reading about this venue, the Palladium. There's one uh, fan review where they described it as an old, smelly, barely lit, converted theater. Beautiful. Like, it just sounds like like it's basically a dump. <laughs> and Dylan had played there a few years earlier, when uh, right before he played Newport in 2002. And this show was like essentially part of a run that was like a warm-up for his European tour that he did like, like about a, like a week or two after these. Like he, he played here. He did like a short kind of run in like Maine. He went, he went into Canada. Canada. Yeah. And it was like a yeah, yeah. 10 day run or something like that. Very, very brief and, leg. And it's, and it sounds like it was basically like a warm up for the European leg of the 2008 tour. No. Um, and this was the beginning of that. So it's interesting. And I know like uh, Evan, like you dug deep into the show after this in Maine. Not especially deep, but uh, by a mistake, I listened to the show right after this, um, and I thought it was great, uh, so I skimmed and listened to some of that recording, uh, and I was really impressed by what I heard with like the a few of the, especially the ballads. I don't know. I mean, you know, for me, the the voice, the voice, vocal stuff is not really an impediment to whether or not I enjoy a Bob Dylan show because Tempest is uh, something that I'm not, I'm not going to be criticizing for the, the the vocals like many people do, and I think there's some definite Tempest level moments vocally yeah. on this, but uh, at the same time, in this show and in that show the day after. I think there's some really uh, great 
interpretations and bold, uh, distinct interpretations of songs. And a lot of those are gentler uh, than what you might expect. Um, the version of Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll from the 17th of May and the version of Shelter from the Storm both have this very quiet, lilting ballad quality. I, I think they're really great. Maybe we'll put in a little clip of those. But um, it's just interesting that that's all happening around the same moment. Yeah, you get you get some of the you know uh, quiet and lilting moments here and there on on the sixteen show uh, as well. Uh, but I think a lot of this band, you know, a lot of the story of the show is like kind of the the harder rocking element of of what's going on. And interestingly, just context wise, this is just a couple months before Bob's going to go into the studio to cut together through life. He, he does that in like October, and um, half of this band. He's the band that he's recording together through life with, and half of it isn't, which is sort of weird and, and interesting to me because on Love and Theft and Modern Times, obviously, the Never Ending Tour band was the, the album band. Like those were the guys in the room. And in this case, Stu Kimball and Denny Freeman, not part of the Together Through Life recording sessions. That's going to be Mike Campbell of the Heartbreakers and David Hidalgo of Los Lobos instead. But Donnie and Tony and George are all included there. I don't. I don't know why that is. I don't know, Stephen, if you have like a theory for why that would be. Maybe he just wanted to, you know, do some recording with someone like Mike Campbell, and that was a great opportunity to do it. But it's um, it's interesting to me that he is splitting the band at this point, and that's actually an approach that he's taken a little bit more, I guess, over the last decade, fifteen years at this point, because like the folks who played on Rough and Rowdy, for instance, are not the people that are on tour with him at the moment. You know, excepting like Tony. Uh, who is, uh, you know, rock solid as always. Yeah, I mean, I really look at this band as being like the modern times band. Mm-hmm. So, and, and obviously they're playing like a fair amount of modern times material in this show. I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I can't explain like why Bob split it up for Together Through Life other than, you know, he wanted to have David Hildago play a lot of accordion <laughs> Together <laughs> Through Life, which is funny because David Hildago is a genius guitar player in Los Lobos and uh, you would think oh why not have him play guitar but then you also have Mike Campbell in the house playing guitar as well so I don't you know it's Bob Dylan I would never even attempt to explain his rationale for doing what he does (laughs) well should we uh, should we with that attempt to explain the rationale (laughs) exactly (laughs) 